What's up, everyone? Tyler Tambolin here, a.k.a. Toe Tag and Tambo. Back for another edition of the Monday PGA Review Show. Going to do the same as always. We're going to go through some of the results, DB stuff. I've got some certain tournaments pegged. Uh, my best lineup of the week. Going to get TJ on here in a second. And then at the end, we're going to go through the pricing for the upcoming week at the 3M. So without further ado, TJ Lasig at TJL5124. What's happening, TJ? How you doing? Tambo, how's it going? Good to be back with you again this week. Thought we had a interesting tournament this past weekend. I think there was a lot of talk going in about how obviously same course back-to-back -back weekends and it was going to play tougher, but I, I personally wasn't sure how much tougher they really could have made it. And apparently they can make it a heck of a lot tougher because people were struggling yeah. out there this weekend. Cert certainly wasn't the same course to your point. Exactly. Everybody, you know, we knew it wouldn't be, but the, the differences were huge. The ability to just run it out like that. The fact that there was really no weather until Sunday that kind of, you know, put a little damper, but it didn't hurt the ending or anything like that. It was just, it was almost over. And I really wanted it to kind of come to fruition and get, and get to the end on Sunday. So I was happy they got it all in. Uh, how did your week go on DFS overall and anything, you know, particular to talk about before we get into my fiasco here? Yeah, I know you had a, a hopeful Saturday night that, that didn't exactly pan out on Sunday, but my weekend, not great from a main slate perspective, not no, no John Rahm for me, which which was obviously a huge mistake. Had some some okay showdown slates, which which kind of helped uh, yeah. fight into that. But yeah, I know I know you had yourself a little bit of a sweat yesterday. Yeah, it was a, it is what it is now, right? I I posted for a reason on my Twitter, but you know nobody cares. Work harder. That's sort of my mantra, and I think it's the facts, yeah. right? You gotta it happens sometimes like this, and it's good for everybody to see. Certainly had a sweat. Never was expecting the Millie by any means. That was a long shot. You know, when Tiger came out, I thought there was some good omens in the morning. Tiger comes out, makes a 29-foot bomb, you know, for birdie. That's my first guy, first scoring opportunity of the day, and it's already been playing really hard. Then you see, you know, Patrick Reed come out and just start to go off while Tiger's making pars and grinding along, and then Tiger falls off the rails, Reed keeps going, and then everything sort of went downhill from there. I, like I said, I, I don't know the percentages exactly, but it was certainly a, a bottom outcome for what could have happened with that lineup. So we'll get into it. We'll start with that. For those of you that don't follow the show weekly, I'm sitting here on rotogrinders.com, just the main page, got it blown up a little bit so you guys can see it. You simply, you know, for what we're doing, when we want to look back, review, see not just, you know, what, what lineups won, we'll look at those for sure, but then maybe how they built them, construction, certain players they used, who were the difference makers, and go from there. Uh, you're going to start with PGA. You're going to go down to results DB. It's going to load up the dates here at the top. You're just going to make sure it's got Thursday's date in, which it does. And then you can see here, contests. It'll load up all the contests on the side here. You know, if it wasn't quite as zoomed in on the right-hand side, you see the winners. But we're going to dig into them anyway. But this is just a quick breakdown. So we'll start here. Uh, we're going to do the $100 stinger. What I chose to do this week was a little bit different. So you can put 83 entries in here. But the way I look at it is I normally put around 30 or so. And I just decided, you know, I don't really want to play a bunch in the Millie Maker this week. So I only ended up playing like 30 in the Millie Maker as well. But what I did is, you know, I put 60, 61, sorry, into the Stinger. So I know that's not for everybody or what they can do, but my, I just got sick and tired a little bit lately of the Millie Maker structure, you know, going back and forth, trying to get there. And then it was interesting enough to kind of have a, a mini sweat there. Like I said, I was never expecting the Millie. But yeah, anyways, you know, get over to the $100 Stinger. Here's my lineup that I was just kind of going through and referencing. John Rahm, Tiger Woods, Patrick Reed, Finau, Day, and Willett. And to go through it, first of all, the idea here was, and I, I don't even have a lot of these guys in my overall pool. The guys I was heavier on were Rom, Tiger Woods, 
and then a little bit of Willett in there. But the idea in this lineup was to get some of the 8K guys. And we'll see that sort of a theme as we go through these, TJ. But I think last week, very common with all those guys coming in at 9K. We kind of previewed it a little bit last week on the Monday show that it would look like you'd see a lot of lineups with three 9K guys. So the only thing I was trying to do a little bit different was get three 8K guys, you know, get that range hit up a little bit harder, especially at the bottom end, because I actually had a lot more answer than Reed at 8,500 and even more Berger, who didn't do anything, obviously, and didn't even get there. Uh, but this is a lineup where I'm trying to sort of leverage my own lineup pool and construction. So uh, bottom line is what ended up happening was Willett shot an 82 on Sunday. So that was quite the implosion. Uh, Day actually had a decent week putting overall. But, and, you know, he said he left some out there. I get that he really probably didn't. But the, the issue for me was, you know, the five footers. He, he had quite a few of those for a guy that typically makes everything from within 10 feet. I think he had three missed five footers on Sunday, a couple of them for birdie. So that stung a little bit. And then, like I said, Woods came out hot and disappeared. Finau was another one. Proving again, I don't know if it really is the Puerto Rico Open curse, but it's it's been tough for him, and it you know just didn't feel good coming into Sunday, and it certainly didn't play out. So uh, overall, TJ, what do you what do you think of the lineup? Anything that you notice, or you know just bad luck? What do you think? I think it's a very solid lineup overall. I think it, like you talked about, uh, like we talked about last week, thinking that a lot of popular roster constructions would have three nine K guys and and maybe have one 8K or, or bypassing the 8K entirely. So I like that idea of targeting these guys in the lower 8K range at some lower ownership. I think it also goes back to what we talked about last week in just targeting golfers that, that are good golfers long-term, right? I mean, Reed, Finau, Day, three guys that, that have had their moments in the past. Obviously, Finau seems to not be able to to get it quite done on Sunday for whatever reason, but certainly a good play last week. And Patrick Reed, a guy that can always get hot and, and make a lot of birdies, which I think we saw him do yesterday on Sunday. Yeah. Finau, like you said, can't get it done on Sundays. I think what you're saying is I'm the Tony Finau of PGA DFS, <laughs> you know, get there, have a little upside each week, it seems, then not seem to be able to close that. That's kind of what it feels like. Like I said, it's a little bit frustrating, but at the, bo the bottom line is, is, you can only continue to do this, right? You got to put yourself in position. There's 2,700 people in the field. One last note, you know, I actually thought, just so you guys know, in my build process, I thought that this range being so low owned that I would at least get one more guy under 10%. It just happened to be that they all came really close. So it's not, you know, like I'm not forcing that. It's just an overall thought process where I'm saying, look, I know Rom and Tiger are going to garnish the ownership here, but, you know, and I knew Willett would not. But I wasn't sure. I thought at least one of these guys would come in. Actually, I thought one of them would come in around 5 6 7% in that range. But it is what it is. This is sort of where you end up. Shout out to Bowell B. He's the winner. Uh, RG member, which is awesome to see. He had, a, you know, a couple, three of the same guys, Rom, Reed, and Finau. X, who I'll show you in a second, because we haven't done this a lot the last couple weeks, my pool. But I actually had a lot more X um, than some of the other guys in that lineup. But I did have more Tiger. So, you know, I had Tiger there versus that. He had Fitzpatrick. I had Day, you know, similar price point there. And then Reedy was another punt play that I liked. So one thing we don't do every week before we get into these other tournaments, I'm just going to go here and show you guys, is you can click over to ownership, put in the person's name, you want to see their pool. And we've talked about this in the past. It's, you know, not always about who the winner is. Obviously, uh, you know, shout out again to OLB, a great lineup, takes it down, gets to 50,000. That's amazing. But if you look, you know, there's two entries in there. You can look and compare but he made an excellent lineup and that's what gets to the win. 
for, you know, petty theft. We're going to talk about again later. Another great showing for him. Happy to beat him in this one, but I know he had himself another good week. We'll get to that at the end. But uh, if you look here, you know, I had 61 lineups and you kind of want to look at how was the pool built and it's listed right here on the right. So you can see who my highest owned golfers were. You can see what they were owned by the field. You can see how many points they put up, fantasy points on DraftKings. And then you can see my ownership and it shows in the brackets, the leverage that you had there. So uh, just to notice it, you know, I had more Tiger than X, but I still had a lot of X, right? You go down some of the guys, Willett was one of the plays where I did take a little bit of a stand. So that's why he shows up in that. But if you keep going down, you know, Fitzpatrick probably was never going to make it in there, right? He was only in 3% of my lineup. So he wasn't going to get in, but he could have over day. I mean, he didn't have the, I didn't have the money left over there. I would have to make some changes. But if you look, day was actually only in, uh, you know, 1.64% of my lineup. So it just goes to show you want to spread your pool out some. You can sometimes get the right mixes together. You know, Reed was right there sitting around. I had him just under 10%. All this stuff you guys can dig into. I think it's a good way to look at just how people build their pools and then go into their actual construction like we just did. Uh, I'm going to flip it over now, TJ. We're going to talk about the millionaire maker. Uh, I'm sure you can see this on your side, but the first thing note to notice is right at the top. So there's a tie. These guys, I'm sure they're okay chopping it up. It's still a big payday for them. But the interesting point was they actually didn't even have the same lineup. They, they had a different build altogether. Uh, you know, t the guy in, you know, here, Tifoin, he was sweating Day and Finau like myself. So while he had guys like X and Fitzpatrick coming to the back and get the job done to bring him up to the top, I'm sure it was quite tilting for him down the stretch, having that unique lineup and those missed five footers I just talked about. And then the complete implosion, you know, not quite Willett-esque, but of Finau in general. And then Johnny A999 had, you know, talked to me in a second about this. I'll, I'll get to here in, in one second on it. But he had Wallace, who, like Fitzpatrick, came from the back, made his charge, had, also had X, who made his charge. Really low-owned, great play this week, Palmer, who we'll, we'll see again later with the, the situation there, as I mentioned, with Petty Theft having another great week. But talk to me about Patrick Cantlay. I mean, it had to be tilting for Johnny A. I know it was tilting for me. I just went back and showed you my ownerships in the $100. He was by far my most owned. Did you have a lot of Patrick Cantlay? And, you know, what was it like to see that? Because it was a, not a great Sunday for him and really not a great weekend overall. Yeah, Cantlay was a guy I was big on all week, played him in my main lineup. And, yeah, just couldn't, couldn't quite get it done on the weekend. I was feeling pretty good about him after the first two rounds. Thought he was sitting nicely. I think even, like, early on Saturday, he was doing well, I remember. And then just – I mean, a lot of guys falling apart on the weekend. It was really, really an interesting tournament from a DFS sweat perspective. Mentioned it a little bit before the show, but you've got guys like Xander that shot like a 79 or something on Thursday and then barely makes his way through the cut on the number on Friday and then just has himself a nice solid weekend and, and finds himself in a T13 situation. So I think when yeah. we get on these more difficult courses, it's just a different kind of game altogether. I mean, there are plenty of guys that, that went into the weekend and shot so far over par that they either barely gained any fantasy points or potentially even lost some fantasy points. You got guys shooting eight, nine over par and uh, just thought that that was an interesting dynamic here. Yes. I mean, I like this build. Can't lay Rom Xander that going back to that kind of three, nine K guys yeah. build that we talked about. The, the, those are the, probably the three, nine K guys that you wanted. I mean, I guess can't lay not so much, but really avoiding the, the deckies of the world, which I unfortunately was not able to do, 
was a big yeah, thing. If you were going to have a three a three nine k build, this is kind of the way to do it, right? Run, like right? you know, Cantlay yeah. had left a lot in the in, you know left left a lot on the course. To your point. But, you know, one key note that I point out here, and again, it's it's silly, some people say, to, to review these lineups because it takes a lot of luck to get there. But you can still have something to say on the construction. And, and the fact of the matter for me would be that while they went with the three, you know, Johnny A999 goes with the three 9K guys, he knows that he's got to get a couple one percenters down here if he wants that build to be unique. And if that's second nature to everyone listening to this video, then that's awesome. Let's do it this week and make it happen. But it, to me, that does still stand out as a way to, you, you got to make sure if you're going to do something within your overall build structure that's going to be considered chalky or what everyone's doing, then make sure you make it different elsewhere. And I think the way that he did it was the one percenters. And then also by getting the guy, you know, the 8K range, I, I saw a lot of these lineups that still had a way to get it with like, Finau may end up being answer at 8,500. And then Wallace would drop down to Reevy. And now you picked up two more chalkier plays, a chalkier value and a chalkier 8K guy. And then that lineup doesn't end up being here in this position. So uh, you know, it definitely still stands out from that sense. The one thing you mentioned too, and just to talk about is that, you know, that's what people definitely have to remember in not only in general, but also in building for tournaments like this is the situation you mentioned on Thursday. So Xander was pronounced dead at, you know, plus eight, no way he can come back. You know, he's done for the tournament, whatever, whatever, all these other guys, the Bryson DeChambeau's of the world, they're going to, you know, he's going to continue dominance and it's going to happen. And then on Friday, he's popping a 10 off late in the day completely going haywire and missing the cut. Xander's grinding his way back. And then the other note is just on the cut line, you know, I, like I teased about it. And that's why I kind of got to stay off Twitter on Thursdays because it just gets, you know, too much with the tilt is that like it was, and I know everyone, was, you know, I just, I took it as an exaggeration that people are expecting John Deere scores, but I think people did forget. And I hope what my main point of this whole rant is, is I hope people don't forget when they're building their lineups originally to think of these things. If you go to the expert survey that we all do, we're sort of projecting a final score, which would then project a cut line against. And again, doesn't mean you know who's going to make that cut line or that you know Xander's going to battle back to that cut line. But to our point that we always talk about, sort of the better golfers and the ones that can grind it back, that's where you want to think about it and know that while Xander was plus eight on Thursday, you know, to me, he was never pronounced dead because, well, it sucks for your lineups he probably only had to get back to like plus three plus two and Friday wasn't, you know, anything we were, we were anticipating anything too crazy that it wasn't going to be possible for a guy of his caliber to get it back. And you saw guys do it. Tiger Woods made it on the number. Uh, Brooks Kepka made it on the number. Th these guys were right there. And I know it didn't really mean anything over the weekend besides Xander, but the fact of the matter is these guys still got it back. Six out of six was still pretty low in, in general because of that, like the Casey's that missed and all those plays. And so it can still happen. So just never count it out until it's done. You know, I'm sure Johnny A, you know, three lineups in this, I'm sure he was maybe thinking one of these is dead and not for the bad fact of just saying what we just said where you're writing guys off, but it just sucks when you have three lineups in play and, and you know, one of them like this is starting off and your guys plus eight out of the gate. So I totally get it, but this goes to show it can battle all the way back to first. Uh, look at Tiffoin's lineup for me for a second, TJ. A little bit different, obviously some of the same guys. Um, but a different build, right? So what are some of the things you notice that stand out here? Anything to you? Yeah, Fitzpatrick is an interesting one to me. I think he's, he's a guy that has proven to be a pretty solid golfer from what we've seen from him, but has, hadn't necessarily, at least from my point of view, flashed that upside yet. But you bring in a difficult course like this, and maybe that that's a situation where he becomes more of a quote unquote upside guy because I mean, it's really just about avoiding the big numbers, avoiding bogeys. I mean, you mentioned Paul Casey, right? 
the only reason he missed the cut was he had one just absolute blow up hole and same right. thing with Bryson. So, you know, when we look ahead to like a U.S. Open in the future, I think that we probably need to take a little bit of a different mindset from a DFS perspective in terms of like what, what it really means to have quote unquote upside because you have one bad hole and all of a sudden you're not even playing on the weekend. So I thought that that right. is an interesting play there. Brennan Steele is a guy that, that has been striking the ball well. I know he had a, a good week the, the previous week at the same course, came back and, and put in, I don't even know where he finished, but just making, making the cut and getting through and, and putting up a, a reasonable weekend is enough there. And then, yeah, we see Jason Day popping again. It'll be interesting. It's two weeks in a row where Jason Day has been appearing in these top lineups. So I wonder if he's going to gain some steam going forward. I feel like he's still not, honestly. I feel like people are still going to be hesitant to play him. So he could be a guy that, that you keep going back to. And I, I don't see him being a guy that's ever 20, 25% owned. It seems like people, for yeah. whatever reason, don't like clicking Jason Day. Yeah, and I don't think they will. Like you said, certainly not because he's got, you know, here's the deal. He's got back-to-back top tens for the first time in forever, which is awesome to see. But he was very vocal on the weekend about his back being extremely yeah. ginger with, you know, picking the ball out of the hole. And he said, like, you know, like you said to Amanda Balionis at the end of one of the rounds, listen, I could have a, it was after round three, I could have a back spasm after any shot. And then you get into these, you know, tournaments with this rough like that. That rough was insane, Crazy. especially as the weekend got long. And, and, you know, the shots that he had to make out of that, it's almost like a worry, worrisome moment where you, you think, like, he, you know, he's kind of saying that so that if it ever goes bad, he can just withdraw and say, well, I told you my back was bad a couple weeks ago. So as far as ownership goes, I think you nailed it. I think it looks like he's, you know, playing some really good golf. He is kind of back in a sense. It's only two tournaments, but at a tougher course. Yeah, I know it's his hometown course or whatever you say, but he never, he really didn't have good results there in the past, previous to the last two weeks. And then on both formats, you know, an easier format and then a much more difficult format. He played it well. Um, last thing before we move on to the next tournament, and, and congrats to Johnny A999 and Tifoin. But the, the last thing I want to say here is about the, uh, you know, just an, another added point, additive point to the fact of the tougher course and knowing it going in. If you look at a lot of these guys, you mentioned Fitz, don't see a lot of the big numbers. You mentioned Day, Steele, a guy that's been striking well, can get hot with the putter and grind. One thing I noticed here, you know, Palmer, if it gets windy, look how he handled himself. He was great all week and on Sunday. Matt Wallace, harder, firmer course. We saw that, I believe, at the players as well as the Honda, which are Jack Nicholas, as well as, you know, tough, firm, fast, you know, um, faster greens, all that stuff. And then you even go back here, you know, you talk about my lineup that I went to. Willett was another guy, grinded it out, can make the comeback. That's why, you know, I was really happy with the squad going into Sunday because of that same reason. But like you said, look at Reed. You know, in my lineup, I thought about it after. Tiger Woods, Reed, and Danny Willett all won the Masters. John Rahm's, you know, come top five a few times. Tony Finau came fifth on a, you know, twisted ankle or broken, popped out ankle, whatever you want to call it. And Jason Day's done quite well there, you know, as well. So you look at all these guys, you know, a tougher course like that, it just, you know, happens to be the way it builds out. But I think that's a, a key piece to look at when you are building these tournament lineups going forward. So going to move on, uh, take it to the next one here. Just look quickly at this one because, you know, interesting thing for this is just, you know, we look at it every week. It's the $5 drive to green back here to the Millie for a second, 168,000 entries, you know, big difference between 95,000. The cost difference is $5 versus one last note over back at the Millie, three, four, seven, the guy in fourth, one. You know, again, you can get it done with a single bullet. You know, Mr. Goodseed's an excellent player up here, 150. He's the first one. Chap Money, RG member, another excellent player up there. They're right in the mix, but you can still get it done with less, right? Less than seven for five of the top six and get it in there. 
over here in the $5, you see Mr. Good Seats again in third, Wake Forest 139, and then Rin Pack, awesome guy, another RG member, 150 entries, get it done. 488, so he doesn't have to worry. He wouldn't have taken down the Millie. Uh, you know, fourth place is where he would have landed for, you know, 40 or 50,000. I think they, they chopped it, so whatever it is there, he ends up with 100 instead. Uh, here's his lineup, TJ. Talk me through that. It's very similar to the other one we looked at, but Glover was was the roundout play in this one. Did you have any Lucas Glover last week, or, or what are your thoughts on him? Because he's going to be interesting. He's also in the field this week, which we'll get to at the end of this video, and he's a lot more expensive, let me tell you that. So what, what were your thoughts on Glover going into the last week? And then, yeah, overall, you know, it's a, a good lineup, but it's, it's very similar to the last one that we just looked at. So, Yep, Glover was a guy I was big on going into last week. Wrote him up in my value breakdown article. Played him in, in my main lineup as well. And just a guy that's been striking the ball well since the restart and putting up. I think he was four for four in top 25s coming into yep. this past weekend. And he came out strong on Thursday and, and Friday. Tailed off a, a bit on the weekend, but still with a respectable showing at the end. But yeah, uh, he's he's the kind of guy that, that I probably prefer more when he's in that value range as opposed to paying up for him in, a, in an upcoming week like this. I don't know his yeah. price off the top of my head. I think he's, he's 9400 this week. Yeah, 9400 is a tough, a tough price to pay for him. And that, I mean, that's just transitioning from last week into this week is – is like night and day when we're looking at the field. So I think it's going to be, a, again, a completely different shift in thought process. And that's just one of the things that's really interesting about PGA DFS. Like, you know, you look at a, a basketball or an NFL, MLB, like each slate, of course, there's different teams and different players, but it's mostly, you know, they're playing the same game every time. PGA, it can be very different strategies from one week to the next, depending on the course that they're playing, depending on the strength of the field. So I think be, becoming a, a well-balanced PGA player really involves how you think about each of those unique situations and how you adjust your strategy and the way you're building your lineup accordingly. Certainly. And I, and I think just back to the, the lineup being so similar, so we're not going to do a, a full-on analysis of it or anything like that. But if you look at Glover, 7,100, it was the same as Tiffoin's lineup in the Millie but Steele at the same price outdid him. So yeah, yeah maybe, maybe Rimpack's happy though, right? If he has him in there, then it's the lamp that would have chopped the Millie. So, uh, you know, a three-way chop would have been something else with the, with the two of them having the same and then one not. That would be worse for, for, um, for Johnny A, triple nine there. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, signature holes, another one I always like to look at, and then we'll round it out with the 3K and, and the preview for next week. But signature hold, you know, back to what the theme. Last week, the $5 actually winner would have taken down the milli. This week, you'll see it's going down, right? 501, you go down to the $5, it's 488. Uh, you know, and then when you get into the even smaller fields, as always, it's going to be less points needed. So 475.5, uh, Adir's 2003, congrats on the win, quarter million dollars richer. Here's the lineup, TJ. Again, another very similar one. The interesting thing about this is it's basically my lineup. It, it's Fitzpatrick and Reed swapped. I maxed out the salary at 8,400 with Reed. Hmm. This, yeah. uh, this player, Adir's 2003, had Fitzpatrick at 8,100. And 475.5 would have been second for, for 20,000. So there was, there was my mistake. But again, we, we've talked about this style lineup. And overall, it's a good lineup. Uh, a couple things here. So five entries can still get it done. We've mentioned this week after week in this 555. If you're not doing satellites, $9 satellites, whatever, $27 satellites, there's ways to get into this where then you can have this shot. You know, another member down here, 
JSZC, JSZ1 had 448.5 and still took home 20,000 with a single bullet. So uh, maybe give me a rundown on this one instead, TJ, because this is more interesting to me where, you know, we've talked about all these players and why they're showing up in the main lineups. Let's go down to the first single bullet we see that is a member, made his, made his or her way in, and then picked up 20,000 off of 555. So what do you think about this lineup and overall build structure? Yeah, so we see some of the same plays, but but a little bit of a different structure than we've seen with the other lineups we've reviewed so far, right? So you've got four guys that are over 8K, not even just over 8K, 8,300 and above. So mm-hmm. kind of that that balance build up top and then just a one-off punt in Keith Mitchell. So yep. I think it's a, an interesting build. And, you know, you get five golfers that are relatively chalky. I mean, yeah, I would say four that are, are pretty chalky. I think going in, we knew Ram would, was obviously going to be very high-owned. You knew Kepka was always going to get some ownership. Gary, Finau, guys that are always popular, Reed, and then. But when you throw in a Keith Mitchell, you, you're pretty much guaranteeing that you're going to be unique, right, and that you're going to bring down that that overall ownership of the lineup. So I, I like this here. Gary was another guy who came out came out firing, was really hot, and then tailed off over the weekend. Kepka, I think, had – I forget. I think he shot like 78 or 79 on Sunday, struggling yeah. there. But – Another another nice build here, and, and you can kind of see that that the key to this weekend was, was pretty much starting your lineup with John Rahm and then working down from there. I think that, that seems to be how people landed on a lot of the optimal builds, and you see that again here with, with this lineup from JSD Check. Yeah, I, I do like that. One thing I'll note, too, is, I mean, I call this more like a YOLO lineup because the Keith Mitchell play is whatever. It's not a bad play by any means. It's more of a if Keith gets there – you would hope that all these guys would make the cut and then you know yeah. the upside they have. So you talk about, you know, John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, who we didn't see in a lot of these builds. And like you say, he tailed off, mentioned something about his knee. Another guy we'll preview in a second when we get to this week. But if you look at, you know, just the caliber. So John Rahm has shown up pretty much everywhere. People didn't already know he's one of the best players in the world. Now they know he's literally number one in the world. Finally, uh, you know, third fastest to do it, fifth youngest to do it. So, I mean, that's an incredible feat for him at age 25. You know, everyone's like, he couldn't win a big boy event. Well, this is one of the biggest boy events you'll ever see. Uh, it was the highest strength of field in, in a regular PGA season tour event since the OWGR was created. So, again, whether you believe in the rating system or not, the fact of the matter is it was, it was apples to apples, the strongest version of it, and he got the job done. So I, I definitely love that. Been on the ROM train for a while. ROM, JT, Bryson, uh, you know, uh, ROM, Rory, Bryson. ROM, Rory. JT, let me get this right. Bryson's making his way up there now, but was never really on my radar. I was thinking those three for sure. Uh, Bryson's made some incredible changes, and we talk about him enough where it's going to continue to get better for him, and we know that. Uh, I'm not too worried about all the side antics or getting the ruling judge and the battles he got into. Like, that's his own thing. He'll, he'll figure it out. But in general, this lineup, you know, you got – then you got – I was going where I was going with this is Brooks Kapka, Gary Woodland, U.S. Open winner and runner-up. So you talk about a tough track and good golfers for that type of scenario. You get them in there. Reed Fina, who we've mentioned enough throughout this. That's why, like I said, I call it like the YOLO lineup because, and, and I really do like that style. If you've only got one bullet to put into something like this, there's only 1981 as far as the people in entries are concerned. You are taking a risk with Keith Mitchell, but you're really protected. Not that these guys can't bust as well, but I'm just, you got to go with who you like and who you're going with. But you get five guys that are, are extremely good value price as far as price versus upside. 
you definitely take some risk by skipping the top and going with Keith Mitchell. But if it gets there, there's a ton of upside. And you look, only about 30 points out from taking this thing down, you know, Kepka could have easily been there. I'm, I'm going to wager that there's no more Kepkas up here. Yeah. And, yeah, and I mean, you, you really get – and you get five guys that have shown that they can compete in yeah. more difficult tournaments, right? Guys that have yeah. either won or at least competed in majors. And so you feel pretty good about those chances of, of trying to get the winner or, or a couple top fives among those five golfers. And then, like you said, you, you YOLO it with Keith, Keith Mitchell – all you're really looking for him to do is get through the cut and you get that done. You're going to have a good shot to, to be having yourself a sweat on the weekend. Yeah. And I, I mean, even he could have done more. We'll, we'll get to him for this week. It's, it's interesting enough. He's one of the lower price values this week and we'll see what everyone thinks there. Uh, final thoughts, just, you know, shout out to some of the members, Flavor Flav, Rotomania, Kirk Dees, Hoop, E. Hafner, Hefe, all guys that people know around the industry, all sprinkled amongst the top there. And, just another week like myself come up a little bit short, but they've had either big wins lately or overall still pretty solid scores or use these lineups. I saw Hefe post. He won a bunch more money with this lineup elsewhere. So good to see love when the industry guys and the people that are members at RG are making big scores and splashes around in these big GPPs for the week, as far as PGA is concerned. And then lastly, TJ, we're going to go back to the three K, you know, we're not going to rehash, you know, exactly the lineups and everything where everyone's at. I'm going to talk about a couple, but got to shout out petty theft again. You know, back-to-back yeah. -back weeks, Crushing we talked it. about him. Was that, no, no, can't keep, can't not talk about him. I mean, he's right there again. Yeah. It is what it is. He's doing his job. He's getting it done. You know, I talked to him a little after the show last week. He reached out, you know, shout out to Patty Theft. I think he's a great guy. He said, you know, thanks for the shout out and everything. But I said, man, there's, there's no need, reason not to. You're absolutely destroying it. He actually said he hasn't really been playing it for too long. So, you know, it, it's, you know, between him and I, but he just said, you know, I, I haven't really been playing it too long, but I'm loving it so far. I said, I bet you are, you know, so it's <laughs> a pretty big weeks. And I said, go get number three, man, do it. I, I wasn't going to be in there this week, rooting for you, rooting for other guys that we follow and are, and are in on it with uh, Matt Schmidt, Wilson, guys you see around flavor Flav again, go Sixers go is a great guy. GLES 10, all members, the winning lineup in this one, 464 was actually closer to the norm. Uh, you know, not the norm, I should say, but much closer to the other tournaments we just looked at. Uh, with Rom, Xander, Woodland, Finau, you know, Wallace and Streelman were unique. Streelman was a little bit chalky uh, and actually even more owned in this tournament, but for good reason. And then Wallace, again, if you're dealing with, you know, you're taking these factors of weather and course conditions and strength of field and everything into consideration, a guy that can play in the wind and grind it out on a tough track, fast and firm sort of suits him based on previous results on the European tour. And then, like I mentioned at the players, when he battled back and, and spots like that, Matt Wallace did make quite a bit of sense. But then you see it's a blowout, right? The next closest is at 423, more than 40 points behind. Uh, you know, petty theft here at 411. I know Wilson mentioned it, I think. Uh, yeah, so petty theft didn't have Rom at Borders Road on, on Twitter. Controversial dude, but he's funny. He's a good follow. Yeah, the he penalty basically, stroke cost him, right? The penalty that. stroke cost him. Yeah, we, we left that out. The elephant in the room a little bit was the... The ball, whether it moved or not, I think it's dumb because, you know, Cards mentioned it last night, and we'll probably talk about it on other shows. I know Kenny and I will talk about it later today on the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, which is free for everyone to go check out and follow and get on board with because we're going to go through more of what TJ and I will do, a brief overview for this week. Kenny and I dive into it full on delve, and we'll go through the recap and everything, and that will come up. But, yeah, cost Wilson 20 – I think it was – 20, I don't know if it's 20,000 because they chopped it, right? Like you got to look at uh, 40, 40, I think it was 10. They were both at 40,000 because they were chopping up these two scores, right? So it cost them 10,000 there. But at the end of the day, um, you know, yeah. the ROM penalty stroke was 
kind of stupid because it's a one-off thing where the camera happens to be on him. I'm sure it's a million times over the weekend. I know even my own lineup, I was sweating the female one on Saturday. Lots of guys had that on tape. It never got called back or brought into it. I think the only reason they bring it up is because Rom's still winning. They've done it with DJ in the past where DJ was still winning the tournament because of it. It's also cost DJ a U.S. Open before, but he, that was totally different because it was a bunker, and which is considered a hazard, and he grounded his club. That That's more legit to me. Like, that's the ruling. That's the truth. Everybody saw it, this, that, and the other. This is still rules are rules. I get it. But it's really tough in a situation like this where it's probably happening to everybody over the weekend when the rough sat thick. It's, it's tough not to. And it's not like he improved his lie. He still made an incredible shot from that spot. And I thought it was cool when they showed the Tiger Woods version from a little bit further back and down the side with the pin in the same place. Tiger Woods made that shot years back and, and put it in from there. And so just interesting. But yeah, back, back to petty theft. We'll, we'll move on in a second. But Rory, Xander, Woodland, Leishman, Scotty Scheffler, and then Ryan Palmer, the only wow. guy to use Ryan Palmer's. talked a little bit about last week but you can go into it a little more here and then just you know Scheffler Palmer guys that you wouldn't think are too popular and he's got all three of them in the same lineup yeah and this is the second time we've seen him be on the super low owned low priced guy that makes a run right he was on Seifert last last week yeah. as his low priced guy so He's clearly doing something right in terms of digging into that value and seeing which guys, you know, he feels are are going to be able to to make a deep run. And then, I mean, you got you got to respect him being able to put his money where his mouth is. And he, you know, he's not just throwing those guys into a, a twenty dollar or a five dollar tournament. He's throwing them all the way into the three k. So it's a guy that clearly has a, a process that he's trusting and that he's gonna go back to on a week to week basis. And it's good to see that is, is paying off for him. And yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. You see a, a pretty much completely different construction than we've seen from some of these, these other lineups just doesn't even have Rom. And I guess you can see that he could have, I guess, theoretically upgraded from Xander to Rom. I'm not sure. If yeah. I mean, you, you just said one key of, point, I yeah. think was the, the difference in the build though. If you look the first time yeah. we've seen someone near the top, with a, a 10k version and, and that's with Roy McElroy and a 6k version a 6k guy in, in this as well right this version of the build so um you know that makes it unique you know you're leveraging the field when that's the case one 10k one 9k one 8k and one 6k yeah. that's automatically going to be unique and look at think about the guys that could have done more Rory uh, you know Leishman Scheffler I mean some of these are just awesome picks that ended up getting there here I want to look it up quickly while we're on live and I'll see here his pool. Cause just like I showed you guys on mine, you'll be able to see some of the stuff here with what he's got. So he was all in on Leishman for the bounce back and he's at five lineups guys. That's the max entry in this. So that's just so you guys see the breakdown um, way over. Obviously the field was only willing to go back at a 10% clip and he was five of them. So, uh, you know, that tells you that much Scheffler three out of five Cantlay, Xander, Rory, Day, Reed, Rose, and Grace. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of these plays. If you think about back to what we said, all these are the guys that can get you there, right? Day, Reed, we've talked a lot about. Rory, who was in that lineup. Xander, Cantlay, upside. Rose, Grace, 
you know, these are the grinder types that didn't work out. But if you look at, you know, who can do that type of thing on this course, but then he backed it up because, well, he, did, he didn't have uh, Grace get there for him. You know, another guy down there in that range was Palmer, who ends up being the second place finisher. And in that lineup still catapults him to a third place finish well ahead on the week with the $50,000 versus the money that was invested here. So uh, interesting to look at these pools. And that's why, like I said, I don't always count it out. Again, shout out to Robbie73 with the win. $125,000 amazing overall, blew out the field. Love to see that. that. That's always nice when you don't have to sweat it as much. You have a pretty good Sunday and it goes your way that, in that sense. And you can kind of know when it's getting into those final couple holes that you're in good shape. Even if Palmer comes back and wins, the, the point swap from something there to there, it still would have taken a lot being 53 points back. So I think that's you know a good takeaway, but I always like to look in and we're using Petty because he's been crushing. This is three weeks in a row now with a you know win, win, and now a third to go back and look at his pool because while he didn't win, it's still nice to see what he does with his pool for this tournament. And there's some takeaways you can have from that. Anything else on these tournaments for the week, TJ? Or do you want to get right into the preview for this week's 3M? I'll just comment one more time on his kind of exposures here, right? And you can basically see that he picked Obviously, one value guy in Leishman that he went all in on, uh, another value guy in Shuffler that, that it seems he felt strongly about, and then he got himself exposure to a lot of the different studs. And I could see that being a very viable strategy for this past weekend because there were just so many good golfers in the field and so many of those top-notch guys that could have gotten the win that maybe if he, he didn't want to take a stand on one of them and wanted a little bit of exposure to everyone, I, I think mm -hmm. that's fine, but then you have to take your stand somewhere. And so he, he found his spot to take a stand and did that and then was able to, to sprinkle the top, top end guys around it. So I, I think that that often gets talked about more of like lock buttoning a higher priced guy and then sprinkling in the value. And he just kind of reversed that build strategy by picking some value guys to lock in on and then diversifying across the top. So I just find that interesting. I do as well. I think it's a fantastic point. And I've looked at it some myself, even in like, uh, you know, 150 MME builds for the Millie Maker or for the $5 drive to green. And I think it is interesting because certain tournaments, obviously it makes sense. You know, I, I understood people locking Bryson at the Rocket Mortgage Classic where the course is what it is and where he was at and what you thought could happen. That, that would, you know, make sense to me there. But at other courses, and I think even at tougher courses, I really like his angle because a value guy is not going to necessarily kill him here. Let's yeah. say Leishman hadn't even made the cut and just completely tailed up, you know, didn't do anything. He'd, he'd be down to a lot of five out of sixes, but you're not necessarily dead because then in those five out of sixes, it'd be a lot better golfers because Leishman was only mid-range sevens where you'd be able to, 7,800, you'd be able to fit all the, like you said, he's got all the X Cantlay and Rory that he took a stand on. He's got the Reed, Days, Rose, Rom, Matsuyama, Tiger, Kepka, Woodlands. All these are just fantastic players that he would still be somewhat live to at least cash, get money back, and then even have upside beyond that. Who knows? We saw, you know, last week a five out of six got there to the top three. So uh, anything can happen in that sense. But I do like what you pointed out there. And I think it is interesting to see, or even the, you know, the one we just looked at where the guy had Keith Mitchell. Even if Keith Mitchell bombs, he can probably still cash. He may not win it, but that was his one shot to get it in. If Keith Mitchell misses, he still has five guys that could finish one, two, three, four, five, and still be okay as far as making money back on the week. If let's say you want it from a $9 satellite, that'd still be a fantastic return on investment from your $9 satellite to your $1,000 min cash, if, yeah. if, if not better, because those guys can still get there. So great points. I, I think, you know, we spent some good time on that. I do want to spend some time here at the end, always looking at this week. It's a, 
much different field, much different course. You know, this is going to be quite different. We're going back to sort of, it's almost like the Rocket Mortgage Classic, but without the muscle up top with Bryson DeChambeau not being here. You've got the Bash Brothers, DJ and Brooks at the top over 11K. DJ is 11.5, which is extremely interesting coming off an 80-80 miscut, right? Shot 80 on Thursday, 80 on Friday, misses the cut. But before that, he had a win. So, I mean, it's, you know, different there. Brooks mentioned the knee injury. You know, he talked a little bit about it in his interviews, almost like Day talking about his back. Brooks mentioned the knee being a little bit of an issue. The MRI didn't really show a lot of different, you know, stuff from before. So it doesn't look like it's healed quite as well. May have to have a surgery. There's talks of that. So I'm not sure what that looks like. And, you know, maybe that scares some people a little. And then to round out this 10K range, we got Finau off the disappointing Sunday. Fleetwood is back. Um, I believe someone mentioned he posted the shot like a, a 68 or something at Shinnecock over the last little break here. He posted it somewhere, whether it was Instagram or wherever he might've put it. I'm going to look that up after I'll have more details on it on the DGEN's podcast with Kenny and then Casey, right? Casey, like you said, one bad hole. So give me your initial thoughts on this upper 10.1 to 11.5 K range, TJ. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. Like you said, similar to the rocket mortgage classic, but also I think, Bryson was like, to me, head and shoulders in that field, whereas I don't really, at least personally, view DJ the same way. Um, so I don't think that we'll see Dustin be, you know, 40% owned like Bryson was that week. Right. And yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you've got three guys that let people down this, I mean, you know, DJ, like you said, Tough, tough, tough weekend for him. Brooks oh, with yeah. a, a really poor Sunday. Paul Casey missing the cut. So you've got three guys there, and then you've got a guy that we haven't seen so far in this reset and haven't seen in a while in Fleetwood. Finau had the the deep run, but then busted out. So I, I'm not sure where the initial lean is going to be. I Fleetwood's a guy that, that I always tend to like. I think he's just a pretty solid ball striker, solid all-around golfer. 10.5 is a pretty reasonable price for him. So I could maybe see him becoming the, the popular guy in this range. But I Casey's tough to pay 10.1 for just because of the upside. So it'll be – I feel like he's a guy that people like to play when he's in like the high sevens or low eights as more of a, of a mid-value guy in stronger fields. So he may not get a lot of buzz. But, again, at the same time, one bad hole, like – not only would he have made the cut, but he was in like half decent position. So yeah. that's a hard one to judge too. And, and a guy that I think I would definitely love to be going back to if it weren't for the 10 one price tag. But uh, yeah, I guess not no super, super strong takes. I would say that my gut instinct is Fleetwood is probably my favorite guy in this range. Yeah. And initially I think he's going to be the most popular. I just think it's someone yeah. that the price is right. People know that he's probably better than he is. It reminds me of almost, it's interesting they're both Englishmen, but, you know, think about Hatton when he first comes back and, and you know, enough people still go to him because they just know that he's probably still better than that tag. And, you know, you look at Fleetwood versus Finau, the conversation comes up about, you know, back to Hatton before he got the API win was, you know, these guys can't win over on the PGA Tour. Hatton's got it done. Fleetwood still hasn't yet. Finau's got the Puerto Rico open, but people don't give him that as the, you know, the big deal. I think they showed the graphic yesterday and people were loving it and just making fun of it is he's got like 4,500 FedEx cup points, FedEx cup aside of how much they remind us about that all year. But the point is it was 4,500 ish FedEx cup points without a win. And the next yeah. closest was Charlie Hoffman with like 21 or 2,200. So it's just like Finau's always in the mix and, you know, coming top five, but he can't, or top 10 like yesterday, 
but he can't win. Um, DJ, I think people still go back to. Uh, Brooks is probably the one that goes completely overlooked. I don't know that people will want to pay 10.9K for Finau, and, and so that is interesting to me. I kind of like that for GPPs. I like mm-hmm. Fleetwood, and I really like – I'm like you said. I, I don't really like that price tag on Casey. The bump is quite substantial. I know it's only one bad hole, but it's not even that. That's why you know I still could kind of like him to your point, but it's almost like, does he have the same upside? If I'm playing Fleetwood or Casey, you can play both. You, you can put both in your pool. I'm not saying that. I just prefer Fleetwood. Uh, DJ, go back to the well. He can just, DJ has no worry or memory of anything. He just goes out and plays the next course. This course is going to be much easier. He's not going to be as annoyed or, or angry as he was at that course. He, he was showing it a little bit towards the end. He was just done with it. You could tell, mm-hmm. but I, I think he can bounce back. Mo- moving down a little bit here. We've got Bubba, the, the winner from last year, Matthew Wolf, Lucas Glover, we talked about it, 9.4K, Henley, 9.2, Harris English, 9. So the 9K range this week, much smaller, tells me, you know, the 8K is going to get pinged up pretty bad and people are probably going to have like a Fleetwood couple 8K guys is probably the build here. Who stands out to you in this 9K range, if anybody, uh, from Harris English up to Bubba Watson? Yeah, you're, we're looking at what? Five names here that we aren't aren't used to seeing in the 9K range for right. sure. Uh, I mean, I think Wolf probably has the most upside just given that, you know, his, his showing here last year and, and obviously a couple of weeks ago with the with the deep run. So, yeah, I, I think in general, like you said, this range will largely go overlooked. I mean, I think that the the talent gap between these folks and the the Fleetwoods and the Finals is pretty significant. Harris English had a, himself a pretty nice weekend this past weekend. So 9K is, again, it still feels like a lot for Harris English, but maybe he's a guy that people look to there. Glover, again, like I said, liked him last week, but 9-4 is, is a tough. But, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to have to get over this. You know, it's tough to pay X price for each of these golfers because that's just what it's going to be like this week. For and, all of them. Yeah, yeah all even them. when you, I mean, even when you get into the 8Ks, it's like. Yeah, Finau 10-9 that... and, and Casey 10-1 feels that way. Uh, yeah. Wolf, who you mentioned to me, is like, okay, he was the value a couple weeks ago at 6,800. Yeah. He was at 6,800. I, I know he won here last year, but now we're talking about almost $3,000 oh. more. So there's that. Glover, like you said, I don't mind him, 71, 7,200 range. Gets up to 9.4. It's not like it's, like you said, you got to get over it a little bit in your head. But at the same time, it's also like, man, it still seems too it's much. The guy, the guy I like here is Russell Henley. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen it before in the past. I believe it was the Shell Houston Open when he was the same type of odds. I know this week he's around 33 to 1. He was that week. Everyone said you can't pay that for him, but he'd had a good history at the Houston Open. Came, came out and won it. Now, not the same history here. It's a one-tournament event that we're going back to for the second time. But the bigger factor is I was monitoring before and I was kind of disappointed he wasn't in last week's field, but you know, he's here this week. The price is bad, but at the same time, his approach game is Tita green has just been so solid. I like him. you know, 9.2. I don't know if he gets overlooked because people want to go to Glover or get up to Wolf or Watson there uh, for what they would see as bigger names, bigger upside last year's winner and Wolf, all that stuff. The, the next range though, and I'll start is a little bit more interesting. Yeah. I think it gets really uh, picked apart. I think, you know, people are using all kinds of guys in this range. You got EBR who I know people are betting already. He, if you look back at the strokes gain stats had one of the better weeks at the Memorial. So that's where people are going back to it. Uh, Doc Redman always popular lately. Again, it looks weird at this price, but he's got the upside, the irons and T to green game. 
Norlander, people are claiming Henrik Goatlander because he's just been going off. I mean, I can't go back to him. Anything on Sunday, if I did, I'd feel bad because I watched him chip it in. I watched him make 30-foot bombs. I I pretty much saw it all that I just don't see him as being that player. And I liked him a lot better, like we mentioned with Wolf earlier, being down in like 6,800 or last week, I think it was 6,300. Give me that price tag. This is, again, a huge jump. Burns, I like. List, I like. If List is going to be 30%, I don't like. So I'm just being clear here. We'll go back to this. And this is uh, an initial overview. Rodgers, I think is interesting. I keep playing him. So I like that one. Never get Ryan Moore right. So we'll leave him out. Uh, Never get Harmon right. So I'm not sure on him yet. But the guy I will go back to, because I'm a a glutton for pain, is Max Homa. Me too. My goodness. Did you see the way he was chipping on those par fives? Two par fives. He's right around the green in two. And then so he bad. takes two doubles. Yes. How? Oh, I played him on main lineup. I, I don't it was know. so and, and frustrating. The, <laughs> the price only went up some on him. And yeah. one thing I will say. I'm probably going to go back to him. Oh, my goodness. I, I have to, <laughs> yeah. Because one thing I will say just from knowing and watching a lot of golf, uh, Euro, European tour as well, is that EVR is going to get pretty popular here, it looks like. And I'll probably have some. I, I do like his game. It's steep price. But one thing I'll say is EVR does not really have any around the green game himself. And the irons are what they are. So, you know, they were definitely better. But Homa hasn't been bad the last little while. So it's almost like, uh, you know, EVR light in Homa. Yeah. And then you got to hope that he's just hitting the green so that we don't need any of this around the green game. Because, yeah, they're, they're both pretty bad when it comes to that. Any other guys stand out in this range for you? I mentioned Burns just because I like, you know, Bermuda we're going back to. I like Bermuda Burns. We'll get to another guy later in that sense. But anyone else in here you really want to talk about? No, I think you hit on all of them. And like you said, I can see this becoming a, a pretty popular range that a lot of people are going to play and starting up top with a, a Finau or a Fleetwood and then peppering in some of the AK guys and then finishing with some value. I agree with you on the Norlander thing. I mean, I, I had played him two weeks ago and so I was, I was watching him pretty closely on Shop Tracker and just saw him like making 50 foot putts, 30 foot putts. And I was like, man, I can't go yeah. back to this guy. He, there's no way he can do that again. And then and he did it again. I mean, he did it again. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to keep going with that philosophy of, of he's not going to be able to do it again. But, and, and Redmond, I think, like you said, is going to be a good, good solid play there. It'll be interesting to see between EVR and Redmond who, who nets out as the, the more popular, more talked about guy, but we'll be I, an I interesting agree. range and important range to get right. There's just enough pivots in here for me. And that's the one thing I'll note. And back to when we talk strategy at the top of this, that's why we do it, right? It's some of the stuff is, yeah, we're talking about winning lineups and et cetera, et cetera. But the point is more, we've talked a lot about those constructions. And if you can already see it this early in the week, it's not going to change enough. I mean, there's not enough people watching this show to care or or anything out there where it's going to be like, oh, that's the automatic view. But with us looking at it firsthand every week like this, I think what we see right away is Fleetwood, EVR, List, and maybe, you know, Harmon or one of the, like, it's going to be a build yeah. like that. So if you are in these tournaments where you have to sort of leverage that thought process of what the construction is going to be like, and that's why when people say, well, what's the best lineup construction, it's, it's, it's different every week. It changes. But what we're trying to do is leverage what the other people are doing in the tournament. And if you're not thinking about that before you go into building your lineups as a whole, as a single build, whatever it might be, you know, we just talked about the petty theft with 110, 19, 18, 16, way different than what everyone else was doing. It, the point is more, and, and then the other lines, so three 8K guys where most weren't even on one, let alone two. Like, there's all these factors that you have to be thinking about when you're building your lineups. And then you can see who fits within it and what your overall chalk is and so on and so forth if you want to do all that. But I guess that's the first thing that stands out to me 
We're not going to really go too far down here, but just to hit into the 7K range, you can see my screen there, TJ. Is there anybody that stands out as I'm scrolling through here from, you know, 7.9K down that you want to talk about? Let's see. Ortiz is a guy that always pops in me for like showdown contests. So I, I, yeah. I've never really played him in a full slate before, but he's the kind of guy that maybe in this type of field, you need to start taking a look at. I know that Stallings has had some decent showings recently and another guy that, that can potentially put up some scoring. So we'll see on him. Uh, oof, man, it gets pretty, pretty This is pretty rough. And it tells tough. me right away, too, that you're not really going to see a lot of people yeah. go here. We'll go to the bottom sevens in a second. The one more I'll mention, I like your Ortiz and Stallings call. We'll see whether Fratelli – you know, he met his third idol there as far as the big three go. He got to meet Jack Nicholas after his round. It was one of the most awkward meetings I've ever seen in my life on live television because Jack didn't really care and just kept saying, okay, Dylan, all right, Dylan, nice playing. But, I, I mean, he's probably pumped. So coming off of that, I could see some Fratelli action. Uh, and then Will Gordon will probably get a little love. If you remember him a few weeks ago, really popped top three, did his job in the tournament and ended up getting his sponsor's exemption status where he can sort of get a lot more starts on the PGA Tour and I've seen some people talk about him already, but the area that I think we're going to see people get down to is down here. So yeah. Troy Merritt, Al Alexander Norin, let's say whatever with them, but you get down here, you've got Hoffman. Hoffman, uh, yeah, Hoffman definitely stuck out to me. I mean, I like him. Just, uh, Howell, just, just his name in this, like, I'm surprised he's not like in the AKs. Just, you know, yeah, he, he could be a popular like, value player, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's had a couple good outings there lately. So I right, don't hate that play at 7.4. Mm -hmm. Howell's another name, Wyndham Clark, uh, you know, and then you get into some of the, the boom bust plays. Any, any thoughts on Howell? You know, he's uh, another guy right there with Hoffman. You, you're still taking Hoffman over Howell. Yeah. I, I, I think my, my first initial lean would be Hoffman over Howell. I feel like Howell has been getting it done a lot around the greens and putting from what I yeah. saw, but like also that that's just kind of what he does. So he's one of those guys where maybe that just is a sustainable thing, but not necessarily. Yeah. I, I used to target Hal like two years ago as a, as a value, like make the cup guy. And he just, I feel like he just hasn't done a ton lately. I think Hoffman gives you some more upside and his recent results show that. I think, you know, as you get, get, get lower, like some people like to play Grio. For sure, I could see people going to him. I mean, I feel like people play him at that price tag in much stronger fields. So you could see people going there. Oh, yeah. What's, yeah, you what's, got Grillo. Uh, yeah. you, you what's Wiesberger's deal? Yeah, he's... Yeah. I think he'll get a little bit of love. I, I know people are betting yeah. him already. I think it's 125 to 1 out there in, the, in certain books, so you can get that. People like to play Tringali. Uh, you know, you got your yeah. crazy upside plays here. So Wyndham Clark usually gets a little bit of love. And then the two here I see is Ryder and Ventura. And Ventura is a, a teammate of, you know, Wolf and Hovland, OSU. So, uh, you know, he'll get a little bit love playing a little bit better on the Corn Ferry Tour lately. I think he's going to get some mentions. Mm -hmm. uh, but Sam Ryder is the guy. Like Sam Ryder at 7.3K yeah. at an early look. I think upside potential seventh, I think, last time out that he played. I'm not sure if we get it all here, but I think he got uh, – I'm not sure if it shows here, but I know he had a good outing. Um, one of the last times out, I think it was. Yeah, I recall that as well. Let's see. Not sure if you got on your side. You can look it up while I uh, scroll yes, through. Yes, seventh at the workday. It was seventh at the yeah. workday. Okay, I'm not sure why gained, that shows gained, a little different. But. Gained 5.4 five, five strokes tee to green. Gained off the tee, yeah. gained on approach, even gained putting. Lost 
lost 3.8 around the green. So maybe a guy where, you know, where, where he's going to get himself into troubles if he's tough on approach, yeah. then then you'll probably see him flame out. Are people are people done with the Kyle Stanley thing? I feel like I, th- I think they are. He and just I burns don't mind people that. every time. Yeah, he crushes people, but <laughs> but, this is but exactly I mean, at it. the same time, people like I said, he's he's always this price, right? Even in the strong fields, yeah. and people talk him up in those fields. So like, then why aren't you going to play Kyle Stanley at seven point three in this field? So. When he, when he used to be the guy you'd see up at 8,800 or 9,200 right. in a yeah. field like yeah, this. He's, yes, and he's, exactly. He's got the ability, and, and that's the thing. And I think a lot that. of people will go for those boom-bust plays down here, and I don't hate it. I'm just saying you got to kind of monitor it a little bit. And then you've got even more of them, right? you got Aaron Wise. you got Tom Hoagie, yeah. Taylor Gooch. I, I like Taylor Gooch this week as well. Uh, Chase Seifert will probably be popular after what yeah. we saw from him in the past, and I don't think there's any reason not to go back at 7,000. It's definitely a – a good play there. And then there's just a bunch. The one more I was going to mention down here, and then we'll cut it off, is just Keith Mitchell likes the Bermuda Greens. He's kind of like if – if we were talking about the Rocket Mortgage Classic and no one was really on Wolf that week – like there was – I shouldn't say this. There was lots of people on Wolf that week um, for sure, but it was because 6,800 and the upside that he has more than is Wolf going to be the best play. It was more of uh, – that's a better boom-bust play than some of the ones around it. And I feel like Keith Mitchell – could be that here. I know the Memorial is an extremely tough tournament. Now you get him back to a course that should suit him a lot better. Uh, Bermuda greens. We, we know he likes those, right? But the big thing for me is just 6,900 in a field like this for that upside. I'll take the shots there and take some risk on that. Uh, what's your thoughts on Keith Mitchell and then anybody else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah, definitely agree there. I think he's a guy that sure he could, he could flame out in the first two rounds and, and miss the cut, but he can also get you that top 10, top five finish in this field. So he's a guy with upside. I mean, to, to me, like, at least at a first glance, some of these 6K range names aren't that much different or worse than some of the guys in the in the mid seven. So, so maybe that does open up for, you know, m- maybe there's two types of, of optimal type builds you go to. We have the, the more balanced one that you talked about where, you start with a, a Fleetwood type guy and then pepper the 8K range, but there could also be somewhat of a of Stars and Scrubs type build in there where, you know, maybe you can even fit DJ and Fleetwood into a lineup somehow and then pepper some of these lower guys. I just, I think it, it presents a lot of interesting dynamics when, when we have these weaker fields. I feel like Vaughn yeah. Taylor is a guy that people play occasionally i'm not sure what he's been up to lately but he he certainly sticks out as a name um let's see keep going yeah i guess it does yeah. get pretty weak it's more of the high it, six it gets weak, but some you, familiar names but yeah you hit on the point yeah, that i was making though, you know <laughs> i think that at the end of the day like you said is that a lot of people are going to look at those original builds that we talked about more so than these builds and in a field like this there's going to be plenty of these weird names at the bottom that pop this is not a strong field remember the a lot of these guys have a lot to play for right this is a shortened season this is a you know an area where they need to gain as many points as possible fedex cup points trying to get into the playoffs all these factors so we'll be looking more into that on the fantasy golf degenerates podcast with kenny and myself we'll get to that later tj thank you again for coming on man what's the uh, what's the twitter handle for everyone to find you we got to keep building that twitter up tell everyone where to find you at on twitter yeah, I've got to build it up. I'm, I got some initial followers. That's the first, and then it's leveled off. But, yeah, at TJL5124DFS on Twitter there. So you guys can give me a, a follow there like we talked about. We'll be continuing to do this show with Tambo every Monday, continuing to get that value breakdown out there where I'm going to be 
looking at guys that are priced. I'm trying to focus on under 7,500 and also trying to, to force in some 6K option guys. You'll also see me tag those guys as my conviction plays in the lineup HQ. So just want to also make that clear. I, I, all my conviction plays are going to be value plays. So <laughs> that's the reason why I'm not going to have a Fleetwood or a Finau type guy in those. And then, uh, yeah, give me a follow <laughs> on Twitter and looking forward to keep keeping pumping out some content. Yeah, you're not saying those four guys are going to be the winner. Everyone's <laughs> going to bet those and that's that. You've got some plays up top, but that's how the the filters are broken down. You guys know you can find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. Hit me up there. DMs are open. You can go on the Discord and, and tag either of us, right? Say For me, it's the same. Hit me up there if you have any questions. Really lo- loving these shows with TJ on Mondays. Love getting the initial breakdown. Love going through some of the builds and seeing what happened. And yeah, it didn't work out for me last week, but it was still a good week overall. And hopefully we have a better week this week coming up. So thank you guys and good luck.